It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Cheltenham with Betfair. It's about who's in with a chance and the buzz when festival week arrives. The Betfair Exchange was best odds on 485 of 498 Cheltenham runners last year. BSP v ISP. Exchange win market only. BSP is a win-only calculation. 5% commission deducted. Further charges may apply. T's and C's at betfair.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. The Betfair Exchange. More ways to bet. More ways to win. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate online resource for racing fans. Welcome on to our day three preview of the Cheltenham Festival. Emma Miss Kennedy alongside the first lady of the Final Furlong Podcast, Miss Vanessa Ryle. Hello, present and correct. We're also joined by top Irish racing journalist from the Irish Daily Star, the editor himself. It is Brian Flanagan. Hi, guys. Hi, Emmett. How are you? And it's Roy DeLarge. Good afternoon. As we talk about the Marsh Novices Chase on the Bedford Exchange, Sam Crow has shortened. Really? 8.0. What is your take on the shape of the Marsh Novices Chase? I like Mr. Fisher. Um, he'd be as effective in a strongly run race over two miles. Uh, so I wouldn't have minded him in the Oracle, but the, the Marsh looks a weaker race than the Oracle. Um, and Mr. Fisher, I thought, shaped very well when winning here. Um, earlier in the season, and then he um, really impressed me when winning the Lightning Novices Chase um, from Lisp last time out. And I think he's, um, I think he's, he might be, just be a little bit better than Itchy Feet. So there's not a huge amount to choose between them. Itchy Feet's obviously won a, a Grade One, the uh, um, the City Isles. Um, but I thought Mr. Fisher's form is, is equally strong, um, and he should get a strongly run race that would suit him here. Um, off the others, we, we think Alaho is going to go elsewhere now, and the market is kind of is suggesting that there's no money queuing up to back him at anything shorter than 30 at this stage. So it looks like uh, the RSA is going to be the race. Still plenty of discussion about that last night on the uh, the, the preview panel. Um, we started hearing positive words again about Sam Crow, but he's a very, very, very hard horse to back now, um, given um, his issues. Obviously, he's had he's had wind surgery, he's had a nebulizer. Um, he's an all-through on Atom, but he comes here low on confidence, I think, and he's hard to back. And I can't, I mean, I'd love to see Faheen win, but I, I really, and, I, and he, he, you know, he looks very good on the um, on the figures. I didn't think he jumped well enough at Leperstown last time out. You know, he wasn't always able to show his form over hurdles in, in latter seasons either. So, although it's been an amazing season for, for Faheen, it's completely, it's an emotional bond to Faheen that you, you want to see him win a race like this, and it would be a tremendous story, but... Um, there's no need to back him to, to get the feel-good factor from that. I mean, you could back Mellon based on his Cheltenham record, 
Um, but he, he's not an easy one to buy based on his chase record so far. It's harder to fancy than below that, to be honest. Vanessa, how do you assess the current state of the marsh novices chase market and what whispers are you hearing as to where certain horses will go? Um, in terms of sort of the novice chases, I think this is sort of the holiest, weakest one. Uh, looking at the market as you run through them, there's just so many that have other options, might not go slash aren't generally considered to be good enough, which is a bit disappointing. But that's what you get with the sort of two and a half mile races. Um, I guess I'm... Mr. Fisher is a standout one at the moment in terms of obviously coming in here off the back of two decent runs, improving all the time. He's actually really surprised me this season over fences. I kind of thought last season he had a bit of a hole in him. I thought he might be a bit of a flat track bully at one stage over hurdles. But he's proved himself to really step up to the mark this season. He's definitely been a surprise package. All the points Rory says, really. But he wouldn't be my selection in this, I don't think. I think I'd go further down a bigger price and back a horse each way. I went down to the Tizard Yard on Monday and um, they were talking about Slate House and Reserve Tank. Now, it looks like Slate House is probably going to go to the RSA, which is disappointing. Uh, he has a huge chance wherever he goes. Uh, disappointing for this race, I mean, but it means that they have Reserve Tank left in this. Now, he's just the horse who has gone off everyone's radar because we haven't seen him since November, essentially. Um, but he is a great, he's a dual grade one winner over hurdles and they basically were saying it's very interesting they're saying that he just doesn't winter well he's a proper proper spring horse ground is a factor but it's more like the weather the sun on his back spring in the air he's just the horse that really comes to hand in the spring and they they deliberately let him off all winter because he just went the wrong way he kind of took a bit of a backward step and he's a horse who just hasn't gone right this winter but they brought him out and they paraded him and you can just tell like he's a horse that's like in his coat like just coming to hand just there just sort of right on the tip he came out he looked great obviously the form he has isn't something you'd be that confident about and the fact we haven't seen him for so long but I think he is one of those horses that to run into a place here in a very sort of in a field where you can pick about four out above him in the betting that aren't going to run He's the sort of horse who they've targeted this and then Aintree and then potentially Punchestown. And he's got the clay, he's got the back class in the book. For instance, he's a similar price to something like Midnight Shadow, who is a horse I like, but he's proved time and again that he's a grade two performer. And then when he came up against Itchy Feet at Sandown last time out, he couldn't quite make that jump to grade one form again. He's, like I say, a horse I do like, and he is definitely going to run here, Midnight Shadow. But I just can't see where he's going to find that bit of improvement to overturn Itchy Feet, whereas Reserve Tank at a very similar price. I just think he might be in more value. You might get more value out of that, basically. It's a bit of a left field swing, but that's where I've sort of landed. Well, that's why we have you on, because we want a bit of value. Brian, what's your take on the marsh? Yeah, going third is no fun, really, is it? Because um, the uh, the two that I picked were Mr. Fisher and Res- Reserve Tank. Uh-huh. Sorry about that, Brian. <laughs> we'll start with you in the next race. <laughs> to Marsh Chase, yeah. I always thought the Marsh Chase was in Haydock. Hey! <laughs> Boom, boom. <laughs> uh, isn't it a bit mad, actually, that we don't have a race at the festival yet named after McCoy or Ruby? Well, I know Ruby only retired last year, but um, 
surely there's an open goal for them there to uh, to name a race after McCoy or, or Ruby the or t- both. The Tony McCoy, JP McManus, good thing, handicap chase? Yeah, I, I agree with Vanessa. It looks a terrible, well, not a terrible race, but it doesn't look a great race. I mean, there's definitely no Defi Desoy or loss in translation in this year's lineup. I'd have thought. I mean, I know Fahim, you know, is a champion hurdle winner in that, but he's, you know, he's not going to progress into, you know, a top class chaser next year. You, you would imagine. You're not um, looking at something if even, like if he even runs in this. Yeah, you're not looking at something like Sir Deschamps, Vautour, York Hill. No, you certainly would or wouldn't put him in the same sentence as Vautour or Sir Deschamps. Um, I mean, Sam Crow is the great enigma. Um, you know, I won't be backing him or anything, but it would be a fantastic training performance from Elliot if he could even get him to run well. The vibes appear to be very good, but you just don't know. I mean, they they have talked him up before, and he hasn't always done it. Um, I am, I am uh, to excuse the pun. I am kind of hooked on Mr. Fisher. Um, he, you know, he's been a bit of a hype horse on social media and stuff. He has been generating a lot of hype, but he just does look very good and 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 really improving as the season goes on. Like he. Um, he was coursing distance winner here in December. He was impressed him that day. He picked up really nicely from the last. And then he appeared to improve again at Doncaster. Looks to have a, a really good engine. And, um, you know, he, he looks to part. Fahin, I mean, if he did win this, fair play to him. But it, it definitely is a bad race. Um, I got suckered into kind of fancying Mellon at Leopardstown uh, at the festival, at the Dublin Racing Festival. But there wasn't a shilling for him. And he ran accordingly. Now, every time this horse seems to run, there's always a a big gamble on him beforehand, uh, particularly when he runs in Cheltenham. So, I mean, if there was a, a late plunge on Mellon, I would definitely take notice because if you go back through this horse's career, he always runs poorly when he's not fenced, when there's no money for him. And every time there is money for him, he usually runs well. And he was only, he was second in the champion hurdle twice. So he's a horse with a lot of class. But not to repeat what, uh, Vanessa and Rory said Mr. Fisher will be my main fancy and re- reserve tank uh, don't forget re- reserve tank won two great one hurdles last year at Punchestown and Aintree so he's definitely a forgotten horse there's no doubt about that yeah. I know his chase career has been inauspicious but if he got his act together he'd be in the mix he fits the profile for the race as well to be fair uh, just very briefly on Sam Crow 13 to 2 currently on the Betfair Exchange he's in and around that price as well who wants to back this horse uh, yeah I mean I suppose like people are looking at his you know the good days say two years ago when he won the, the Ballymore um, you know his, his his chasing debut but yeah it's hard to back him he just looked laboured at Limerick behind Faheen. Um, I thought I that, Lim- that Limerick run, the more I watched that back, the worse it got, I found. Yeah, <laughs> for I, Sam I Crow. agree with you. Like the, what, it, he, didn't, he wasn't just beaten to second. He looked, he looked like a fucked horse, to be honest with you. Like, he, he wasn't, he looked like he was done, you know. And I know they can, they can come back, dare I say. But that run, the more you watch it, the worse it is if you're a Sam Crow fan. Definitely doesn't finish with any any sort of positives. I don't think he doesn't canter through the line. He doesn't look like he's got anything in that tank anymore for some reason. Now that is a little while ago now, back at Christmas, and Gordon can work miracles. And I've noticed on his social media and stuff, he's been taking a good few of his decent chances cross country schooling and to the beach. I think Sam Crow was involved in the beach trip. I know that they do a bit of hunting. They've been apples taking apples jade hunting. I wonder if they've taken Sam Crow as well. 
you just catch glimmers of this on various form platforms of social media so have they re- reignited the spark you'd be watching very with trepidation wouldn't you if you're a big sam crow fan i think to be backing him at the price he is is a bit nuts on what we know and i completely agree with you that the more you look back at Limerick when Faheen destroyed him, the more it just does look worse. Also, who had under 15 minutes? Vanessa Ryle, F-bomb. Final selections for the Marsh Chase. Vanessa? I'll take reserve tank each way. Brian? Probably Mr. Fisher would be my main fancy in the race. Okay, so you are, as you said, hooked on Mr. Fisher. Hooked on Mr. Fisher, yeah. <laughs> Rory? Cool. <laughs> Mr. Fisher. Phoenix Way heads the betting for the easiest race of the week. The Pretemps, as Tony Keenan calls it, the Pretemps handicap hurdle. This is going to be a real simple one for the team. 8.0. Relegate is now 8.0. Pretty well found at this stage. Uh, she's 7-1 to one, uh, elsewhere. Sarah de Burley is around about an 8-1 to one shot. You can get 10.0 currently on the Betfair Exchange. The Storyteller has been punted into 8.0 on Betfair as well. 2-8 per me. Uh, 17.0 Kilbrick and Storm former Cheltenham winner 21.0 Rory you love cracking a big Cheltenham handicap but I promised Brian first go at this one so the pretemps Brian easiest race of the week tell us who wins <laughs> yeah look the one I kind of fallen on each way is a great view is oh fuck sport. off Brian <laughs> fuck off just get off the fucking phone get off the phone <laughs> I'm not having that in a month of Sundays. You've done that on purpose. Oh, <laughs> the first lady of the final Furlong podcast. Do one, you fucking tosser. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brian. I've actually never met you. You're obviously not a fucking tosser. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was can, an overreaction. Can somebody please clip that up with the necessary visuals and put it out, please? please. Uh, you go, Brian. You have it. Go on. <laughs> The real They're beauty great. of that is that they haven't met. That really is it, something it's special. It's fantastic, isn't it? yeah. They're going to have a great <laughs> meeting sorry. at Cheltenham on day one this year. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, proceed, Brian, proceed. A great too, yeah. He's he's a horse I've always been keeping an eye on. Um, he, he stays really well over this trip, and it's, he's kind of lightly raced for a nine-year-old. Um, he ran a really good race in this two years ago when he was fifth at Delta Work. So that's, you know, that has probably a... One of the better renewals of our attempts two years ago with Delta work. Uh, one and he did make it. He made a crucial mistake at, at, at that's. I think it was the second last, um, and then he came out a couple of weeks later and won a punchstone. He actually saved my bacon that day. I recall I was having a, a horror show, and uh, he just literally got up on the line. I can't remember the horse he beat. It was a, I think it was a, a Gigginstown one for a grey horse. I think, but uh, he's only he's only two pounds higher here uh, than 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 two years ago. So he he has to have a very uh, solid each way shout um, his run in the in the qualifier uh, the one the, the relegate race that everybody's talking about he actually ran really well and, and Mark Walsh um, kind of was looking behind him and I think he he knew he wasn't going to win and then but he also knew that he had his first six slots secured so he certainly didn't give him a hard time you know he he was closing on the front two without you know knocking him about so it was perfect prep run really and uh, a lot of people mightn't be too familiar with Dennis uh, Dennis Cullen. He doesn't have too many runners, and it was, his last winner was in Sligo in May 2019. So that's definitely a concern. But um, he does know how to win this race. Um, in 2005, it was won by a horse called Cadoon at 50 to one. Uh, now the the trainer's name was Michael O'Brien, but Dennis would have been his assistant at the time, and I think he's actually. 
Mike, Michael O'Brien, uh, sadly now deceased, I think it was his, is his father-in-law as well. So um, he does have a history in the race, Dennis Cullen. So the fact that he's a bit of a, you know, nobody's ever heard of him, shouldn't put people off. So a great view is is a good good each way, Bet. Um, the Jam Man, I think, would, would be one of the stories of the week. Um, I'd urge anyone to have a look. There's a fantastic little piece on the BBC Northern Ireland uh, page at the moment. They go to the yard and they meet the little kid, the son of the trainer, and that's really fantastic. Um, they bought him for 500 quid. He's not without a little chance, to be honest. He, he ran well at Leperstown on the Dublin Racing Festival. He you know, the, doesn't have any secrets at this stage now from the handicapper, I'd say. But um, a great few would be my main each-way punt. And I think if the jam man won from a journalist's point of view, it would be fantastic because it just would be a great story. It would make for a fantastic story, to be fair. Uh, Vanessa, who do you fancy in the pretense? <laughs> Sorry, Brian, again. I now feel bad about that. It wasn't very ladylike. Will you forgive me? You're <laughs> okay. I'm, I've been called a lot worse. Within the walls of this house, I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> great. Okay, well, on that basis, we can move on. Uh, no, a great view for me as well. I am all over him for this race, essentially. He's basically had this race marked up for the last three years. Because in the 2017-2018 season, he ran that belter uh, in the qualifier at Leopardstown over Christmas. And when he finished second to mine now... But everyone was all aboard Glenlow that year for the Potemps. And uh, he was backed in, he was heavily backed into the JP McManus favoritism and a great view, like Brian has said, uh, ran a very good race and made a blunder at a crucial stage. Then last year was a bit of a write off. Um, and then this year, obviously, like Brian said, won't repeat it, but the Racing Post report for that qualifier where he finished third last time out at Punchestown Red kept on mostly under hands and heels in the run-in, never troubled the leaders. And if you watch it back, it's as handy as you like. And uh, the middle season, he was aiming for this rate for the attempts again, and they ran him in the Christmas qualifier again. And he, I think he must have injured himself because it was his only run last season and he never made it to the Potemps and he finished mid-div and we never saw him again. So basically for three years, they've been trying to run this horse in the Potemps and run well in it. First year, they managed that without placing. And this year, I just think he's had a much better prep. And yeah, I'm all over him as well. When you watch, I know it's a good while back, but that first Potemps qualifier, he finished second into mine now. You'd like, you watch it back and he's just... Yeah, your eye is definitely drawn to him. But because of Glenn Lowe being a more fancied horse with the Gordon Elliott connection and was more of a hype horse for that race, um, he sort of got all the attention that year. But that was when he a great view came onto my radar. I wasn't like Brian and didn't back him when he landed the gamble at Punchestown in a big price, uh, in a big handicap hurdle there. But he's definitely one to keep on side with and it'd be a great story. You know, less and less small trainers hitting the big stage at Cheltenham happens these days but that would be a big one because no one will have ever heard of Dennis W. Cullen 12 to 1 <laughs> is uh, is the current price uh, about him uh, don't worry Rory does not have the coronavirus he's A-OK uh, you can currently get 23.0 about a great view on the Bedford Exchange are you going to make it 3 he, he wrote a winner at Cheltenham uh, Dennis Cullen as well he's a, he's a, he's a Cheltenham Festival uh, winning jockey Dennis Cullen so a wow there you go Proper. Sudden, sudden shock sudden shock for John Joe O'Neill in the oh my god he beat Stormes in a, a short head finish in the National Chase 
It was sickening. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. There's another one for the therapist. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Brian. Dark memories return. Storm, as he was a tiny little thing, was summarized that. Uh, Rory, are you going to make it three in a row for a great few? Um, sadly not, although I was sitting next to someone last night who's, who has a great view as his bet of the festival. So Whoa. Um, that's, a, um, that's a positive as well. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put you off. He was. He was um, all the points have been made already. He was a big eye catcher in the race before, um, and he's a fair price. But I, I've um, I've had to write this race up in the past, and well, actually, it's not strictly true. In the in the um, Weatherby's Festival Guide, I put up Jata Louis as my uh, outsider to consider for a different race for the Coral Cup, um, but um, it soon became clear that. Um, that they were aiming him at this contest, and I think he's, um, I think he's a very interesting one, uh, Justin Louis. For of course, David Maxwell, everyone's favourite jockey. Um, <laughs> he's, um, well, he's got a fair tune out of this horse. He did get unseated, and the horse ran loose at Weatherby um, on October early in the season. He then bolted up in that race. He's only run a trips up to two mile five. Um, but he is a notably strong finisher in his races. Hits the line hard every time. Um, <clears throat> he's he's a, a sound jumper, strong traveller, but everything he's done suggests that when they step him up to three miles, he'd be even better. So he's an unusual one in the pretense in that he's qualified for the race because there is that qualifier at Wincanton, which comes over two mile five um, in December. He finished second in that um, to third wind, and then he's been rested since with this race in mind. I think there could be a bit more to come from him. You clearly have jockey concerns um, in this race, but they're always taken account of by the market. I think if you're backing David Maxwell, you probably get more of a run for your money over hurdles. Uh, and if you crunch the numbers, you're, over the last two or three seasons, you're actually making quite a lot of money backing David Maxwell uh, on his hurdles. He's a couple um, of winners at biggish prices. I've seen him um, look tactically quite astute this season, which I've not seen before. And obviously David's issue is that he's, um, he's often riding these big chasers and he has a, a particular style that means if he's riding a hard puller like we saw with Bob and Co, he's basically got his, got his legs locked against the horse for most of the race. He's, you know, he struggles with that. He, he clearly um, suffered quite badly with cramp in that race at, um, uh, at Warwick and felt that he was too tired uh, to continue because he was fighting against the horse the whole way, whereas a natural jockey wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have himself in that kind of position. That's not a problem with Jasper Louis <laughs> saying that he did get loose early in the season at, uh, at Weatherby, but he's been, um, he looks like a very straightforward ride aside from that. Um, and as I said, he was he was an impressive winner um, of a two mile five handicap at the Open meeting at Cheltenham. <clears throat> Again, you know, looked like that was going to be quite a close run race, and he came away in the uh, uh, up the hill to win by two and a quarter lengths from Falco Blitz, who's been an impressive winner since. Uh, Shana Wallow is in here again. Um, Legends Gold, who was the next time out winner, uh, was in behind him as well. Solid form. And I think because he's not had to show what he can do at three miles, he's potentially still a little bit under the radar, even though he's gone up to a mark of 148. Um, so I'm happy to take a chance on him. He's bound to be 21 plus on the day um, because of um, Mr. Maxwell. And um, I think that might, uh, you know, concerns about the jockey aside, still offer a bit of value. What a day it would be for him, by the way, if he was going to win. Uh, 20-plus shots, so uh, trained by Philip Hobbs for Rory. Gordon Elliott has won this race for the last two years. Five of his horses have all been placed. So the most five recent runners he's had in the race have all been placed. And Davey Russell 
didn't ride in this race last year, but had won it the previous three consecutive years, 2016, 2017, 2018. He will ride the Storyteller. Last year, Sire de Burley won this race after finishing sixth in the Leopardstown race, the Pretems qualifier at the Leopardstown Christmas Festival. The Storyteller finished in the exact same position under a beautiful ride from Davy Russell. Uh, to get him qualified, and Davey's complaining about the weight the horse has. So that's all the confidence that you need, basically. Um, I suspect that the storyteller will end up being very well-backed, and of the ones towards the head of the market, I'll happily take the 8.07 to 1 with Betfair about him over Relegate. Thank you very, very much. Uh, we'll move on to the Ryanair. Everybody's favorite airline. A Plutard heads the betting at 2 to 1 currently. Um, on the Betfair Exchange, you can get, uh, you can actually do nicely bigger than that, to be fair. On the Betfair Exchange, you can get uh, 3.5. Min is currently 4.0. 3 to 1 industry standard. Uh, Frodon is 5 to 1. Uh, 6.5 currently on the Betfair Exchange. Riders on the Storm, 8 to 1. Uh, sorry, I should say 7 to 1. 8.0 on the Exchange. And uh, Duke de Geneva will turn up in this race for Willie Mullins. And he is 20s plus for the Arkle winner uh, from last season. Brian Flanagan, we'll start with you again. Your idea of the winner of the Ryanair chase? Um, absolute hard. Or uh, a colleague of mine um, was listening the last time I was on and he was sure that I was saying apple tart. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to call him from now on. David Coughlin. Shout out to David Coughlin. He was All right, the, David. He, we have now christened the horse apple tart. I presume David doesn't have to go to the christening and can be at Cheltenham for all four days. No, he is at Cheltenham. He is at Cheltenham. Yeah. Right, David. He is. He's uh, flying out tomorrow, yeah. Looking so, in. So is David back uh, in apple tart? <laughs> Well, we'll all have a slice of apple tart on uh, on Wednesday or on Thursday if uh, if he wins. Um, I think it actually means "see you later," which is kind of aptly aptly named when you think of last year's novice handicap chase. Hey, Rachel, see you, you later to the rest. He's come to play today, Brian Flanagan. Keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I think he'll just look. It's going to be tough. Min is a very very good horse. I mean, I can't get that race at Aintree quite out of my head last year it was such such a good performance um, but this is Cheltenham and I just think that Apple Tart or Apple Tart uh, might just outstay him uh, this time around and Min, if Min goes goes from the front like he tried to do it at Liverpool which he did do at Liverpool if he attempts to do the same here just might stretch him you know uh, I know he has one of John Dorkin over the trip as well but you know, Cheltenham pace, I just feel Rachel might just come and take him at the last. Um, it is interesting that they did think Aplutard was a three-miler. I mean, they ran him at Punchestown last year over three miles. Didn't work out, but ground was probably too soft anyway. But So they probably do feel that he has uh, stamina in his locker. Um, you know, this season has gone very well for him. He took the scalp of Shaq on Horsois Christmas. Uh, you'd have probably preferred to see him run again in, in the Dublin Racing Festival. I think there's been talk that he may have run in a schooling bumper. I think Tony Mullins might have said that last week. Schooling, schooling bumper is not a race, obviously, but that's good to hear. Uh, Froden, I thought, had the run of the race last year. I think it's a, probably a better race this year. I know Road to Respect was in it 
was in it last year and he's a pretty good horse but I think Min and Absolute Tarot are definitely two horses that of the cal you know, two really good horses that she that Froden probably didn't face last year. I mean he's gonna be a tough nut to crack, Froden. Um, you know, he, he always runs his race, he's very consistent, Brindy gets on great with him. Uh, I mean it'll be interesting to see what happens with Froden and Min how that goes who who gets to the lead I think all that will help absolute hard I mean I think Rachel will just sit and watch what happens and hopefully come to pounce um, I mean your trends pals will tell you that six year olds don't win the don't win the Reiner but it's it's only 15 years old so it's not really a race where I'm interested in trends um, and you know young horses going chasing probably wasn't that common you know four year olds five year olds going chasing was kind of unheard of maybe you know 20 30 years ago so that's kind of bullshit really so i'm very and you can read the stats guides by the way on at the races.com thanks brian uh, so <laughs> so a plutard is are you confident yeah i think so yeah he um i just watched him uh, that novice handicap last year it was frightening like he absolutely bolted in Look, I know that this is a, a grade one Ryanair chase. And he was so impressive and then let the side down a little bit of punches down, as I said, over three miles. But this year he ran really well in his first race against Ballyushin. You know, probably wasn't nowhere near a match fit. And Ballyushin is a pretty a pretty good yardstick in those sort of early season races like the Fortria. And then he couldn't have done it any better in, in against uh, at Leperstown against Codwell uh, now turned out to be the champion chase favourite if the Altior news is true. So, um, yeah, I mean, the only concern would be the lack of a run, but that wouldn't worry me too much. I think he's... It's probably one of the better bets of the week. That's just the, the, the Bromhead way now, isn't it? Well, when you look at all of his leading contenders, with the exception of Manila Melody, they are going there quite lightly raced and going there quite fresh. Uh, just seems to be the way he's doing things. 3.25, yeah. you can get about a Plutard or see you later to translate. And seeing as uh, we've had a mention of Chacun Poursois from Brian, each for himself is what it translates to. Uh, Rory, as it's every man for himself on the Final Front Podcast, who are you going for in the Reiner? I think Absolute Hard is going to be the horse to beat. When they stick him in the champion chase when Altior comes out. Hey! Uh, I completely agree with what Brian said. Obviously, you know, I've, I've been banging the drum for that. Um, yeah, I, the, normally that novice's handicap chase is a race that, because it's confined to horses rated 1, 4, 5 or less, it doesn't tend to throw up the winners that people expect it to. People tend to get carried away by the winners and go, oh, I was going to win a grade one next year, and generally don't. And, and um, uh, our old friend Brian Gold, who does Gold Stats, um, which is an excellent array of stats for every race at the festival, real labour of love from Brian, never get tired of, of giving that a plug. Um, look at it if you're looking for, uh, for winners through the festival. Um, he does it all for free. Um, there's always a, a charity connected to it every year. Uh, and this year, that's uh, Go Racing Green. Debbie. But uh, yeah, Brian, Brian's always given me a hard time because I, th- I said that a Pluton would win a, would win a grade one. And he goes, oh, Rory, I thought you were a good judge. And everyone knows that the winner of the, of the, um, the Novices Handicap Chase goes on to do nothing in the rest of his career. Uh, and of course, when he was beaten at, um, at Punchestown, then I got that back again. But he's, he's shown himself. The bottom line was, you just got to watch the end of that race again. Horses do not clear away from their fields, even in handicaps the way he did. Um, on bad grounds last year without being top class. Um, pretty much the only horse who quickened on day one of the Cheltenham Festival at all was a Plutard, and I've been in love with him ever since. Um, his age is rather irrelevant, given that he's won a, uh, he's won a, um, a competitive chase as a five-year-old at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, surely you should be positive about him as a six-year-old in that he's not going to go backwards, is he? Mm-hmm. Um, he, sh- he should surely keep improving, and that gives him a massive chance here. Um, 
he's beaten Shaqin Poussois, who I think is a is a moral in the in the um, in the champion chase. Um, and yes, the the only issue is the fact that that Henry has decided that when he's got when his horses have done what he wants them to do, he will he'll pack them away and not run them again until the Cheltenham Festival. But he's always aware that he's got Cheltenham, he's got Aintree, he's got Punchestown. You know, the season doesn't end at Cheltenham anymore. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, we kind of felt that it did. So he's more than happy to let the horses do that. And um, uh, who am I to say that he's doing it wrong because he's getting good results? Well, just to say that the quote that he gave to Kevin, and this is available on Cheltenham.attheraces.com, is that he seems really well and he's on course for Cheltenham. I'd say he's 95% likely to go for the Ryanair. But if the ground came up bottomless, we'd have to think about the champion chase. Obviously, that could change if Altior is not there as well. Um, he also went on to say that we feel that his Cheltenham preparations couldn't have gone better. And we don't think that missing a race, that missing a race has in any way affected him. So... That is Henry de Bromhead on a Plutard, and uh, yeah, and again, it's worth it's worth pointing out if you're not aware, he missed the Dublin Racing Festival because Henry wasn't happy with the ground at Leopardstown, not yeah. because the horse was any issue with the horse at all. Yeah, he was fine, and it may have done him a favour in the end. Vanessa, a Plutard, is it going to be three in a row? Look, I, w- I I'm not against him. I can see all the key points, like Rory's just been saying. When you watch back that performance last year visually like never mind to like the actual stats and facts and time come through just visually watching his win at the festival last year i don't think i've ever he like just scampered away from the bottom of the hill upwards and it was just remarkable and so i guess that is partly why there's so much confidence behind him coming into this year's festival because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at that performance and think, wow, yeah, this horse is the proper business. So um, everyone's latching on to him. He seems to be one of the big talking horses of the week. But for me, I guess, you know, I do think that Frodon is probably fairly overlooked. I mean, his price has shortened more recently, but um, only about three days ago, he was much bigger price than he is currently. He obviously won the race last year. It's been well reported that he had an issue mid-season. Um, this season hasn't gone well for him, let's be honest. He obviously had nearly a flat race at Aintree, where so many fences were taken out. That was never going to suit him. And that was at a time when Nichols's horses were all needing the run at the start of this year. Uh, start of this season and the couple were running below form for one reason or another but it didn't go unnoticed that they were definitely needing their run which isn't something that we necessarily associate the Nichols yard with um, anyway he then went on to run a stinker in a Betfair chase and that race uh, it was after that race that they discovered these grade four I think it was ulcers basically and that can have a serious effect on how a horse feels and performs they've sorted that out it is something that can be fixed um, and you put them on a course of beds and they sort out the stomach ulcers and then he's come back and won last time out um, I just think that yes as Brian pointed out this is going to be a very different tactical affair to last time but this race could easily cut up especially with the Altior news as already covered and he's a horse that this is just one day in mind from him winning the race last year to this year it's just one day in mind bringing him back for another Ryanair um, everything else in between is a, a just a bonus or a prep essentially and Paul Nichols hasn't been afraid to say that and it's remarkable that a horse is coming into a race so essentially under the radar because of the top three ahead of him in the betting despite the fact he was the story nearly the story of the festival last year uh, so for me I think at the prices currently I can see a Plutard being 
I can I totally take on board everything said about him. Um, but for me, Frodon Min is obviously of interest, um, and he is that bit higher rated, essentially on his two mile form and his form against Altior. But Frodon, Frodon's the way I've fallen when I really went through it. Anyway, it's Cheltenham with Betfair. It's about who's in with a chance and the buzz when festival week arrives. The Betfair Exchange was best odds on 485 of 498 Cheltenham runners last year. BSP v ISP. Exchange win market only. BSP is a win-only calculation. 5% commission deducted. Further charges may apply. T's and C's at betfair.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Yay or nay? Paisley Park wins the stairs hurdle. Yay? Yay. Yay, yay. He's a bigger certainty than Liverpool in the Premier League. Whoa, huge shout. Rory? Huge shout. Uh, yes. Now, you were a little bit reluctant there, so I think we'll go to you first. You didn't absolutely jump on. Stairs Hurdle, he's currently 1.71 now on the Bedford Exchange. Uh, Epitom is probably the biggest danger, 11.0, 10 to 1, 8 to 1, actually. Somerville Boy is an 8 shot as well, but you can get bigger on the Bedford Exchange, 11.0 currently. He's a horse who looks most ahead of his rivals at the festival this year, and he really ought to win. Um, A strong gallop suits him. So his best performance last year was in the Cleve when they went very hard from the start. Um, and he was very, very impressive in the end, uh, beating all the, all of the right horses. It's marginally less um, impressive when he won um, the, the stairs hurdle last year, but still looked by far the best horse. And if he pinged the last hurdle, he'd have won um, even more easily. There is a slight... Uh, speaking to a, to a trainer of one of his opponents, uh, I, I won't mention who as such, but he, I thought he said something very interesting. He said... I think he might be beatable, Paisley Park, because you can get Aidan Coleman to panic. Oh, that's a big shout. Because he, hit, because he hits a little flat spot. And, you, you know, when, uh, and a lot of the, um, the, the stairs hurdle winners we've seen in the last um, 10 or 20 years have been similar. They've been, you know, they race behind the brand a little bit. They can hit a flat spot and then they stay on very strongly. And if you watch Ruby watching riding big bucks, there's never any, any hint of panic. But Ruby rode countless grade one winners. The only grade one winner Aiden has ridden is Paisley Park. Mm. And you just wonder whether in a scenario where something makes a bid for home at the top of the hill, if it is a slowly run race, you know, in that split second where Aiden has to make a decision whether he sits or whether he commits himself early, um, is, is that going to prey on his mind? You know, is there a possibility he gets drawn into a, um, a tactical battle which counts against him? I think it's not that easy to see, to be perfectly honest. It just seems to be, because that's what happened last time, um, Johnny Burke on, on Somerville Boy um, set a slow pace and then quickened um, in the Cleve hurdle. And that, you know, Aidan admitted after the race that uh, Johnny's riding was very clever and, you know, worried him a little bit um, that he might be able to steal it. Of course, he made mistakes at the last two hurdles, which didn't help him. But it shows that there is the possibility that something could potentially go wrong. On the other hand, you know, they tried to get him beaten last time doing that and he still won easily. Um, and, you know, Things conspired against him slightly last year and he still won easily. So he's, he's got so much in hand that hopefully Aidan's got the, the confidence that he doesn't have to, you know, he can, he can wait a little bit longer rather than, you know, if, if someone does make a bid for home, think I can let him go. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if anyone tries that, whether they go hard early on and then try to slow the race up in the middle uh, or whether they just, you know, crawl along and hope that basically put the ball in his court and say, if you want this to be a strong pace, you've got to set it yourself, Aidan. 
Um, and it'd be interesting to see if, if connections with Paisley Park are happy to make the running if, if needs be. Uh, if you remember Thistlecrack a few years ago, he was more than happy because he was, he was quite a hard puller and, and I think others wanted to get him in trouble by, by leaving him in front. And I don't think Tom Scudamore was told worried about that. He let him stride on uh, from an early stage and won well. And it may well be the connections of Paisley Park are aware that that's what others may do to try to get him beaten. And we'll think, well, what's, what's our answer to that? Well, he's a stone better than them and he's straightforward. So just let him go and do his thing. But that, that's the one thing I'm thinking about is that um, everyone is aware he's the horse to beat. It's not, you know, there's plenty of these races where there are five or six potential winners on paper and everyone's just trying to ride their own race. Here you know who the big horse is. You know that Paisley Park is the one to beat and everyone else is concentrating on how can we beat him. There might be a few in there thinking, how can I sneak third in this race? Um, but a lot of them will be thinking, right, can we upset the favourite? Can we get him in some kind of trouble? You know, do we look to get him boxed in at the top of the hill? Do we mess around with the pace? And I think messing around with the pace is what's likely to happen. Whether it's defective or not, I don't know. But it's worth bearing that in mind in the first place. Um, because if you're, if you're getting stuck in at a short price and then you get this false pace and you're going, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe they're having a false pace in this there hurdle. Well, it was on the cards beforehand. So, you know, be aware of that if you're getting involved in the race. Things didn't go to plan last year. Yet he still managed to go and win and, and win quite well. But I think that's a fascinating... And I understand why you're not going to say who the trainer is and you're absolutely right not to. But uh, I do think it's an interesting take on it. With that in mind then, have you been looking at an alternative without no, no, the favourite the, market? The problem I have with this race is that I don't think Somerville Boy helps himself with his jumping enough. Um, he was he was impressive enough in the Rel Keel hurdle, um, but he bungled, he, he made a slight mistake at the, slightly more than a slight mistake at the second last in the in the cleave, and he made a bad mistake at the last and then rallied when he was headed. I, it just, I wonder whether he's, hey, I'm not entirely sure if he stays yet, because um, obviously he, he, he was a strong finish in second in the cleave, but he set a slow pace, which suited him better than anything else, and those who were on the pace were, we're helped by that. So whether he's a true stare at three miles, I don't know. Um, I think Emma Tom is potentially very good, but although he jumped well when he won at Haydock last time out, um, helped by the, the schooling of Henrietta Knight, she did describe him, as Brian probably knows, um, as the thickest horse she has ever had anything to do with. Um, and the impression, the impression you get there is that although um, her work paid off last time out when he jumped, he jumped well at Haydock when, when winning the, um, uh, the Rendlesham. Uh, at Cheltenham, he could easily make mistakes again. I think it's quite likely. I think he's the type of horse who will do really well over fences next season. I think he's a very exciting horse, but he's pretty ignorant as well. Um, it's not the ideal scenario to have. But, you know, if he can avoid mistakes and get himself into contention, you know, Emmett Holm is, is a hard horse to put a ceiling on in terms of his ability. It's easy to crab the, the Haydock form. I'm not suggesting for a second the Haydock form is absolutely rock solid. But, you know, this is a horse who's, who's only had one poor run in his entire career. The issue with him is that his jumping has been hit and miss throughout his career. Um, and if he can get that together, then he can build on, on his early promise and become very good. Penn Hill may be working up to something. Uh, again, I sat next to um, uh, to someone with a connection to Penhill last night, but he's not even going to Cheltenham this year, which is not a great sign. So you're talking um, about the owner, uh, Tony Bloom. T- Tony Bloom obviously owns him, but uh, you know there are um, friends and colleagues of, of Tony who have a sort of de facto involvement in his horses as well. Um, and um, my mate Keith the Camel, um, a well-known poker player, is one of them. He came down to the um, to the preview last night, and he had n- nothing of any great interest to to offer in terms of of Penhill's preparation this year. Um, and he did. He certainly hasn't booked the day off to go and watch him run. 
Um, but I know in the past when Penhill has won the uh, the stairs hurdle that Keith had been put off backing him by by what Willie had said, whereas Tony Bloom backed him. So <laughs> you can work that one out, whatever way you like. Uh, see, I'm not. I don't think Penhill's quite the horse he was, but he is at least gradually getting back to form. And the suggestion has been that he's been a very hard horse to get fit, um, and he's essentially been using the race course to hone his fitness this season. And although he's not shown his old form um, yet, he's gradually getting a little bit better. Something the point hurdle last time out was, was certainly a step in the right direction. Apple Jade is going to wear blinkers. It may well be able to decide if she, run, if she wins. It's a, it's a perfectly good opportunity to, um, to go out on a high. I find it a little sad that she's getting blinkers slapped on for this race. I can understand it, maybe running on the champions, they can blinkers on her, or running her in the mayors as they can blinkers on her. But she's never looked, she didn't look a strong stayer over three miles at, at entry last year. I know she's won over three miles. She's beaten slightly suspect stairs over three miles, or horses out of form over three miles in the past. She's always looked at her best around two and a half. And I think sticking her in blinkers here, even if she is roughly back to, to form, I don't think she's got any chances of lasting home. She may end up putting the pace to the race. You know, half of these may think about let's set let's set a really steady pace and get Paisley Park in um, in trouble and, and turn into a sprint finish. Um, and it may well be that Appleshade decides to tear off in front, and because she's been running poorly all season, everyone just lets her go. And she might end up, um, you know, surprising us all and coming back to form. But the vibes, the vibes are absolutely terrible for Apples Jade. Mm. Um, Gordon, Gordon just seems to have given up on her entirely. Um, and this is just the last. Let's stick some headgear on, stick her in a race, and see what happens. Um, there's no, there's no sign of any confidence there at all. Uh, there's been, there's been a bit of confidence behind Ronald Pump. It seems he could have run in the in the Pretemps final, but he's now committed to the uh, to the stairs. Um, when he um, when, when Apples Jade won at Leperstown, Ronald Pump ran on the same card and, and, and um, seemed to impress the, uh, the um, speed judges, the time boys, a lot more than she did. Um, and so a few of the wise guys are, are on Ronald Pump at big prices, and he could, he could run fairly well. The, the one, if I thought it was going to be a strong pace, the one I'd be inclined to throw a couple of bob at each way uh, would be, uh, to be fair, who's a very, very solid and high-class handicapper, he needs an end-to-end gallop. He didn't get it when he was um, when he was um, reasonably close up on the cleave. But I thought he ran well in the circumstances. I think he would turn the tables with with a couple of those in front of him in a well-run race over this course and distance. He's got tons of form over three miles at Cheltenham. Um, he very nearly won last year's pretemps, of course, with a, with a biggish weight. Um, aside from Paisley Park, this is not an outstanding stairs hurdle. So I can see him getting into the frame. Uh, he, he clearly can't beat Paisley Park unless something goes wrong with a favourite but he definitely could finish third or fourth um, in a well-run race, and he's going to be 66-1. to one. A 66-1 to one shot from Rory to make the frame. Does anybody want to put up an each-way horse against Paisley Park? Uh, well, City Island might enter my place calculations. I ch- the chasing was a complete disaster, no doubt about that, but it's kind of easy to forget how good he was in the, in the Ballymore last year. And I think we, we mentioned Big Books being a standing dish in this race. Big Books had it aborted so the novice chase season before he ran in the stairs hurdle. So, you know, it's not the it's not inconceivable that a horse can come and run well in this having had two disastrous runs over fences. Although in fairness to big in fairness to big bucks, he won a three mile handicap hurdle here and then he won the cleave hurdle before he won the um he won the yeah. stairs. Yeah. Um yeah. coming coming straight here on the back of a bad run over fences is hardly ideal. No, it's not ideal. You know, Martin Brazzard is a, is a shrewd operator. I don't think they'd be coming near having made this decision if they didn't think they had a chance. And I do think he's a horse that really needs good, genuine, good ground. And by Thursday, the signs are he might get that. So 
I think he's fourth and one to be placed. If he came back to what he was like in last year's Ballymore, I think he, he's a good chance of being placed. So four to one, not a bad bet. The more I look at this race, the more I think he might not bolt up, but he is going to win. I'm all aboard the Paisley Park Express, basically. Look, I know he's had a different prep to last time and I know the ground could be a bit of a concern, but he looks rock solid. All the things Rory was saying about tactically, everyone's going to be trying to get him beat tactically because on all known form, they can't with what's been what with how races have been run currently so somebody is going to have to try something different and I think everyone will be trying something different basically so that's going to make it a very interesting race to watch but for me it's all about Paisley Park and I don't know I feel like there's kind of been less chat about him almost because in a way he's become not boring but you know there's it's hard to really pick holes in him nobody's got a strong view against him because he's so rock solid and he is the new big bucks isn't he currently i'm all aboard him basically and you can obviously take a punt with something at a big price you can make a case for lots of them in there city island somerville boy all the ones mentioned but paisley park will win it and that's all we really need to know at this stage i think he's banker material the updated quote from gordon elliott from the bedford Cheltenham preview night she's been the horse of a lifetime 11 grade ones owes us nothing she wears her heart her sleeve I think the stairs hurdle will be the last runner of her career so let's watch her um, if she runs with credit fantastic if she could win what a story that would be but either way she's been an incredible racehorse and um, it looks as though it will be the last time we see her on the track so let's let's enjoy her oh the brown advisory and Mary Bull, a stable plate handicap chase Rory I think will be trying to get access to the Brown Advisory, Maryborough Stable Plate, Handicap Chase uh, Team's Corporate Box. I believe there's an invitation to the Final Forum Podcast team to go there, so Rory, take up that engagement. Um, crack open this handicap for us, Rory. Who wins? There's an invitation to a box, you say? Yes. Yeah, this is a race I tend to like. I was trying to convince Warren Greatrex to run the Bago Wa here rather than the Ultima uh, for exactly the same reason, because her her best style is going forward um, and when she's uh, when she is making the running she looks um, she looks more of a of a threat than, than on the rare occasions when she's been held up in her races and therefore I wanted to see her run she's equally effective at two and a half and three miles uh, I wanted to see her run in this race um, historically she hasn't held her form through the whole season I spoke to Warren about her and he said last year she went to the Dublin Racing Festival and she won, and you know everything looks. The world looked her oyster. She'd won the, um, uh, she'd won the, um, the Cotto Star, at Kempton over Christmas. He said, but she came back from Dublin. She was very quiet, and she never really recovered her sparkle for the rest of the season. She took a lot out of herself. You know, she was going to every dance, and she was really up for everything. Um, and as a result, as a, in previous seasons, she was quieter in the second half of the season and not showing her form. And he said this year she hasn't shown her form early on. Um, she was very disappointing first time out at Weatherby uh, when Richard Johnson uh, rode her and she did she did better when she was third in the Peterborough that was still a little bit disappointing because Cotto Rico beat her for second um, she stepped up again when she was third in that really good mare's uh, chase at Doncaster when she was beaten just over a length into third Warren thought she should have won that day um, and she ran better still um, in the face of a really stiff task in the Irish Gold Cup last time out. And the really interesting thing is you'd have thought coming back from a really hard run at, in Dublin, given that she's had, um, she's had four runs this season, that she would again come back slightly subdued and they'd be thinking about missing Cheltenham, which they'd done in the past. 
and trying to fresh her up for for April. And Warren said to me, "Yeah, she's come back from Dublin, and she was she was absolutely full of herself, totally different to last year. Um, you'd have thought, you know, you'd have expected her to be a little bit quiet to need time to get over that race." but she was very quickly back to herself and in really good form. He said she's got a little bit lazier with age and she's maybe not taken as much out of herself in her work and her early races. And as a result, you're, he's now got more to work with late in the season. So I think that's, that's encouraging. I think a lot of people won't really want to back her based on her spring record in the past, um, which is clearly her, the pattern of her form is different this season anyway. Uh, and I think a mark of 149 based on, on the form she's shown in grade ones is very very reasonable you know she's, she's like number 13 on the list mm. she's a grade one winner over fences but because she's you know because she's a mare and she's getting seven pounds in winning those grade one races and of course look at who she was beating in grade ones top of the game in santini last year yeah um so to go in here off a mark of 149 i think is pretty fair i wouldn't be absolutely certain that she'll show her form because because of what we've seen in previous seasons but i'm very encouraged by what warren said about her and he also said he quite likes the podcast hey hello warren <laughs> And we quite like you as well. That's fantastic. Uh, I've also backed her for this race. So I'm delighted to hear that. And it was based on the handicap preview that we did. And you were talking about running styles and how important it is to be up at the pace. And I just thought, if they do run Labagawa here, a grade one winner from last season who's run a stormer in a grade one last time out is too big. And I still think she is. 15.7 currently on the Bedford Exchange. 12 to 1 with the sports books. I'll take that all day long. She would be my one hour at this stage. Brian Flanagan, what about you? The Brian Advisory and Maribel Stable Handicap Play. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit gutted actually because the horse I fancied, um, I've just done a quick search for it on Twitter there and just literally in the last 10 minutes it's been taken out of the race. Um, <laughs> Articulum. Uh, he's just declared a non runner uh, by his owner there, Paul Murphy. Um, literally 16 minutes ago due to a minor setback so that's kind of thrown my uh, going to throw what I was going to say in tatters um, there's 74 enter I see so I mean it's, as, as Rory says like, it's, it's very hard to know um, am I right in saying Willie Mullins has yet to win a handicap chase at Cheltenham is that still the case I think you're right um, about that there's one of his in here that he, he's become a bit of a cliff horse for me um, someday it's just going to drop right for him I think Two mile four on possibly good ground at Cheltenham. It's my last chance. I'm giving this horse a last chance, and that's Robin DeFore. Um, oh. He keeps coming. He keeps coming, looking like he's going to win, and he hasn't done it yet. Oh, he fools but, us all. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm completely uh, crazy. I did I did think he, he the race at Leopardstown at the Dublin Racing Festival. He was a small bit uh, unlucky in that the last fence. Uh, was taken out because unfortunately Jack Kennedy was on the other side of it with a broken leg and that certainly didn't help his chances he probably still wouldn't have won now that said but uh, maybe he would have been a bit closer but if whoever's riding him Paul Townend hopefully can just cover him up in a big huge field and just it'll be one of the rise in the meeting if he can produce his horse in the line to win look I wouldn't be getting too heavily involved in him because we all know his issues but I give him a bit of a squeak. There is a big race in Robin DeFore, but he does just keep finishing that little bit. Like he fades towards the end of his races, but you know he's going to pop up in one of these one of these days. And he ran a, an absolute stormer behind the late Warthog um, back at Cheltenham in December. So this this could very well suit him. Um, uh, just to say, I wasn't I hadn't gone completely. I I dug out the the numbers on Willie Mullins. 
in handicap chases um, since 1997. Willie is he's not he doesn't run a huge number in handicap chases compared to Nicky Henderson, for example. But he's not from 35 and just three or four places among those. I say it goes back to 1997. The, the first one of those that, that comes in is, is 2002. Uh, so the suggestion is that he, he didn't have any runners in handicaps um, in, the, um, in the few seasons before that. Obviously, no, no festival in 2001. Um, but so since 2002, there have been 35. Um, there have been a smattering of seconds and thirds, although one or two of those have come in the, the cross country. Uh, Vanessa, your idea of the winner of the 410 on day three at Cheltenham? The three or four of us with Le Bagoire, I'm afraid. Um, pretty don't probably need to add much more to what's been said just like a profile of it well no a profile coming into this race as obviously isn't perfect as Rory's touched upon but just think she's a classic case of a proper graded horse into a handicap now and she's just the sort of for- horse that could run a belter and surprise a lot of doubters I think um, based on the fact that she's obviously you know like Rory said, she can be very. She she has in the past been flat at home, but at the moment she seems to be bouncing. Seems to be some pretty positive vibes for her, and the race is going to be run to suit. And she's the one that caught my eye when going through the um, what what we currently have in terms of the entries. But declarations are going to be interesting for this. And yeah, Labagawa for me, she's still twelve to one uh, as far as I can see, and that seems a pretty fair price for her, I think. Um, so I'll be sticking with her I'm afraid so there's three of us with Labagawa Warren we're not just putting her up because you listen to the show it's because we expect her to win and you better deliver for us no seriously Warren best of luck to you at Cheltenham I hope it all goes well Manila Melody leads the betting for the Mayor's Novices Hurdle the Dawn Run which has been absolutely dominated by Willie Mullins so far. Um, the current betting sees Manila Melody heading the betting on the Bet for Exchange at around about 3.5. I think you can just about get 3.7. Uh, they've been making all the right noises about this horse at the uh, Henry Drumhead team. And then you're talking reasonably big prices. Uh, Willie Mullins, unsurprisingly, has the second favorite 11 to 2, but available at 7.0 on the Betfair Exchange. That's Dulcita, uh, then Floressa for Nicky Henderson and Nico de Boinville, 11 to 2, uh, 8.0 on the Exchange. Colrevi is 6 to 1, but 8.0 on the Exchange. And Concertista, who ran an absolutely mighty race on her hurdling debut for Willie Mullins last year, uh, with Danny beating only a short head, is 12 to 1, but you can get bigger on the Betfair Exchange. Brian Flanagan will lead with you this time. It's a race that's been dominated by Willie Mullins. He carpet-bombed this race last year and came up with the winner and he's carpet-bombing it again. He did. Constratista, yeah. She's still a novice. Uh, she gets in here again. I, I, she has to be there thereabouts. Uh, look, I'm going to go for one at a bit of a wild price and hopefully we get a repeat of last year. She is 25 to 1 with a few firms and the name is Mount Ida. Uh, Gordon right, Elliott. Gordon Elliott. Look, put it this way: Manella Melody is the favourite at nine to four, and Mount Ida is a twenty-five to one chance. And if you go back to the Valar Lavadesh um, race at Punchestown on, I think it was John Durkin Day, um, she was only beaten three quarters of a length by Manella Melody uh, off level weights. And in Thursday's race, she's five pounds better off with Manella Melody for that Punchestown defeat. Now, in between, she ran a poor race at, I think it was Fairy House, where she didn't put up much of a performance. But I'm hoping maybe that the trip might have been too short that day. It was, I think it was two mile two. This is two mile four. She's a half-sister to Sizing Tennessee. 
the Hennessy or the Labrooks trophy winner, so possibly she needs more of a trip. And the best thing about her is there hasn't been a peep in any stable tours from that I've read about Gordon. I just checked with the owners. Uh, the owners have a Twitter page, and it appears that all systems are go for Cheltenham, so I'm delighted to hear that. So, yeah, Mount Ida is the one I have picked at a big price, so I'll definitely back her. Mount Ida is... 28.0 on the Betfair Exchange. You had to run in that race after um, the Valar Lavadette. She'd be probably single figures, but unfortunately, she well, maybe if you're backing her, you're going to get it. That's the reason she's 25 to 1 or 28 to 1. Could play to her Yeah, snags. and there's no liquidity around, around her price. She's 28 to back and 120 to lay. The last price matched her was 46. Uh, probably gives you more of an idea of her current price. She has been, she has been matched at um, fairly recently, and prices up to 300. <sighs> For, for very small stakes, it has to be said, but you know. Brian, be um, honest. Was that you? No, 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 not me. No, 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 no. Okay, I believe you. Thousands wouldn't. Um, <laughs> Vanessa Ryle, your thoughts yes. on the Mayor's Novice Turtle? Um, I've got one at a big price as well. My fancy is a big price anyway. Um, Midnight's Gift for Alan King and Tom Cannon. Uh, Tom Cannon already booked for the ride, actually, so definitely runs. Uh, she's a filly who you could argue. That she's a bit unlucky not to be unbeaten over hurdles thus far. Um, she's made a few jumping mistakes and then last time out she stumbled quite badly and was beaten into fourth but wasn't beaten too far and a blinder. Um, she's going to get the four-year-old weight allowance and she wants a well-run race, which I think she'll get here. She's got a little bit to find on ratings, but... And her last two runs, like I say, haven't gone her way. But when you watch them back, there's definitely plenty to like her. She's sort of had a flat career slash campaign prior to um, this year's, this season's hurdling campaign. Uh, she's got plenty of experience, I suppose, compared to a few of these in here. She's just the horse who fits this. I, th- I think, yeah, she jumped out as me as a horse that might be a bigger price than she should be, perhaps, although she was 25s yesterday and she's definitely not that now as far as i can see uh she is like i say going to get that weight allowance as she is a four-year-old but i just think she has the skill set i like to i think in her locker to be able to run much better than her price Mm -hmm. suggests in a race like this uh and if she can just sharpen up a jumping a touch i'm sure they've put a bit of work into that if she could just be a little slicker then that would obviously take her a step closer to a race like this and yeah she's one that i like at a much bigger price actually rory for you we've got two big price tips so so far in the mayor's novice hurdle what about you i could not care less who wins the mayor's novice hurdle and i probably never will nice that's that's pretty much where i stand on it but rory it's been won by superstars lamini let's dance larina eleganto sol how could you possibly have such a negative reaction well what can i say uh, I'm, just, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of this, this contest at all and there's an awful lot of horses running this week to look at and um, I'm not interested in looking at any of them in this race and well that's fine that's good yeah, that's yeah. Good. And I, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm not knocking anyone else for, for getting seriously involved clearly oh. you know um, if you manage to find Eglantine de Soil last year then uh, fair play to you but I just cannot get interested in the race um, at all uh, I won't I won't be um, I won't be staging a rally against it <laughs> Um, at the start, for example. But, um, 
I'll be uh, I'll be busying myself with something else at the time. You're you're not going to be like in the background as Lydia's doing interviews with a placard saying "Ban the Dawn Run." Time with this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. this sort of thing. Bring it back to a three day festival, please. Call Reevy for me each way. I think I'd side with her. Kim Muir, Rory, you love a big handicap, and this is the race that we've talked about quite a bit, and you've been saying. You just know horses will have been plotted up for this race. Uh, no comment has been declared for the Ultima. So who do you reckon is the plot job for the Kim Muir? That's a very good question. I think a, a couple of those that were maybe um, uh, suggested as plots have already gone elsewhere, which is, very, which is um, rather typical of the Cheltenham Festival, isn't it? Um, Raven Hill, uh, I, thought people, I think a lot of people would have had him down as, uh, as a, um, a potential plot. Um, now National Hunt Chase, um, and as you said, no comment. Got an awful lot of um, uh, a lot of coverage as well. Um, who now is is ultimate bound. Um, I'm I'm not really interested in what the plot is going to be. I'm more interested in in, in uh, the horses that I'm interested in in this race. Um, and one I've been interested in all year um, is Lebroy, and it looks like he's going to start. Well, he's he's nudging favoritism at the moment. Uh, this is the race I've always wanted him to run in here. Um, obviously, won last year's National Hunt Chase. I, I put him up as the as my bet for the Grand National as well. Um, he's very well handicapped at one four five, and that's the point. You know, it's just trainer knows he's well handicapped. He's worried about him not getting into the Grand National. Uh, and if you are, if you're throwing in off one four five, however you've got there, and he's got there because the yard's been a little bit out of form this season. He hasn't had things drop right for him in in, uh, in two starts over fences. Um, he shaped really well for a long way in the Beecher before failing to finish seventh. Jumped really well under Jimmy Codd that day. Um, traded about nine to four in running, and, and you know he just wasn't um, he wasn't ready enough to last home in that race. We know that he stays because he won the National Hunt Chase, and then he was left standing at the start in the Classic Chase at Warwick before uh, running on to finish fifth. Uh, he never he never showed with a chance in that race. But if you watch it back from the start, he was ready to line up very handily um, when they jumped off, and then there was a false start. And when they restarted, he was ridden by the least experienced jockey in the race, Luca Morgan. And um, he got, you know, he ended up jumping off last or second last. And his jockey then wanted to make ground on him. But Warwick's a very, very hard track to make ground when you're in a bad position. Uh, and he just kept getting um, bumped around in the back of the field uh, by other, other rivals. It took him about two circuits just to get an even keel. And he's then run on past beaten horses to finish fifth. I thought both of those really nice runs showed that all his ability re- remains intact. And yet he's been dropped in the weights for them, dropped five pounds, um, which now means that he's, you know, he's not guaranteed to get a run in the Grand National. And Ben Pauling was worried about running him here because, um, you know, if he if he runs and gets beaten again, then his racing will slip. Now, in terms of the Grand National, um, you go in on whatever the handicap mark the handicapper gave you at the time is what decides whether you get in or not. But the ballot is not random. Um, if there are seven horses on a mark of 145 as he is uh, then what decides who gets a run in the race if that's where the cutoff point is is who has the current highest mark um, and I think Ben was wondering you know do I try to win a race and give him more chance of getting in the race by getting the higher mark or do you know if I run him and he gets beaten and his mark goes down will that count against him in getting into the Grand National um, I think he probably needs a prep anyway this is what I would do. I would run him here and I would run him in this race rather than the Ultima. And that's what Ben's doing in the end. Um, and I still think, despite the fact he's not been plotted up for this race, I think the way things have panned out, he's ended up getting into this race up a very lenient mark. Um, 
the, the trip and the grind will suit him really well. And he was a horse who was effective over two and a half miles last season, but won the, the, the four miler at the festival. Three mile two around here um, will suit him a lot better than the, the sharper um, three miles of the Ultima. I think he's got outstanding claims. I'm loving the confidence. Absolutely loving the confidence about Labroy, who I imagine Jamie Codd will ride. It just makes sense. And uh, as you say, shortening all the time. You were very keen on Daisha Abba, and it does look as though this is where he will line up. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, Philip Hobbs said at the, uh, at the weights lunch that this is where Daisha Abba would be running. I'd put him up as my bet for the Ultima um, when I did that. I used 33 to 1 for that. And, yeah. you know, uh, admitting that he had, two, he had a couple of options. I thought the Ultima was an interesting race for Daisha Abba. I don't think this is a bad race for him, but of course he's not... He's not proven beyond three miles in a furlong. He gives the impression he should stay, um, and he'd be interesting enough here. Um, but as I said, I, I thought his um, uh, I thought his profile suited the uh, the Ultima fairly well, and I, I would, I'd have preferred to have these two horses kept apart. Um, I'm certainly not putting you against putting you off Deja Abba. I don't think there's anything. I don't know who's going to ride him in this race. Um, Philip Hobbs usually has some very good ex uh, young point to point jockeys at his disposal. Um, so he, he won't be short of a decent jockey. Uh, and I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't argue with Deja Abba. He's taken a while to, to really hit his form um, for Philip Hobbs. Um, uh, but he's very much got his act together in his last couple of starts. It was an easy win for him at Catrick. Two starts was just a match race, essentially. Um, but then that Masters handicap chase at Sandown was a very competitive handicap. And he both jumped well. His jumping was much improved, travelled strongly, and just looked very straightforward in going away from the, his rivals from the last fence. Uh, up seven pounds for that. It still looks reasonable enough. So yeah, I'd, I'd have Deja Abba on my on my short list, but I'm not going to be I'm not going to be backing multiple horses in all these handicaps, especially multiple horses at, at ten to one or shorter. Vanessa Ryle, the Kim Yor for you. So Lebroy is currently nine point zero on the Betfair Exchange. Uh, what is your pick? I'm with Lebroy as well. All aboard, I think. Um, well, just I suppose he's always sort of been on the radar for a race like this, like. Um, like Rory's just explaining, and but it's hard to get a gauge um, a little bit with his overall season because, of course, you have to factor in that the yard really was under a cloud for a lot of the start of the year, uh, start of the season, and so he was running okay. Like his his races were not terrible, but um, he, you know, there is there is there is a you could make a case for the fact that he may have run even better in the beach for instance um but you just don't know you don't know what horses were affected with the i think it was contaminated haylage the ben pauling had or contaminated feed or something anyway come out the other side he's got all the credentials and then it was confirmed that jamie cod rides the horse earlier in the week and that for me was the real clincher Jamie knows the time of day more than we would ever know. He wears two watches rather than one. He is literally like when it comes to horses and getting rides in races at the festival, he is across all angles as far as I can tell. And he rings up for rides that he wants and he thinks he can get on and he thinks he can win on. And he wanted, it's pretty clear, he's delighted to be back on this horse. Um, For me, that tells you a lot about this horse's chances and the profile of this horse for a race like this. And look, he's, like Roy says, short enough for a national. Um, Well, not short, but, you know, he's a decent price for a national. And this, but this is a very 
it's right up his street to win on the way to that. He doesn't look always the easiest of rides, but Jamie seems to have a really good relationship with him. And when he rode around the national fences, um, like he looked all, you know, they, they look to maintain that good relationship they had from the four miler last year. And yeah, the cob father's a big tick, but the horse's profile is a big tick too. And the fact the yard is just about coming back in, well, has recently come back into decent form and is going well. I like all of those things. And he's a fairly decent price considering I think he'll get shorter on the day. Jamie Codd has ridden two winners for David Pipe in this race, a winner for Gordon Elliott and another winner. So he's had four of the last 11 winners of this race. He is really the go-to man for this race and you can read his thoughts exclusively for each day of Cheltenham at attheraces.com cheltenham.attheraces.com the Cotfather exclusively signed to attheraces.com and his uh, insight will be invaluable for all four days it's Pitenry for me uh, Brian Flanagan I thought that Jerry Hannon was going to have a heart attack and we've seen the piss take video that Paddy Power put up which was absolutely priceless but this could be his day of redemption um, and I suspect that Derek O'Connor will take the ride so Fitzhenry for me what about you? Yeah I like Fitzhenry he's very consistent um, he had a bad run though the last day at Leprestown at the Dublin Racing Festival not quite sure what happened there certainly wasn't like him Maybe the maybe the ground, I don't know, but he, he, he didn't run his normal solid race. Perhaps he got a hard race in the paddy power. Um I'm hoping that uh, Barry O'Neill, uh, the jockey who actually was second to Jamie on the Broy in the four miler last year, uh, I'm hoping he might win this. I'm hoping he's gonna ride plan of attack for Henry de Bromhead. Um he is a horse who was in that roaring bull race, the famous roaring bull race, he was third. Mm. Uh, looked like he was going to win until the two Fitzhenry and Roaring Bull just passed him in the last 50 yards or so. Uh, he's only a seven-year-old, so there, there, there should be improvement to come. Now, the only thing is, all the Irish horses in this race appear to have been hit pretty hard by the handicapper. There's a uh, shocker. This race in particular, um, like plan of attack is up. He's up now to 140. Um, at the Acorn... Tony Martin horse who ran it was very unlucky in the race I was talking about with his Henry I think he was really badly hampered by a faller at the, what, the second last he, he's been given a serious hike I think for finishing 56 in that race but Henry is not holding any secrets from the handicapper rider but I'm hoping uh, the fact that he's only a 7 year old that plan of attack might have some improvement left in him I mean, he was only a 106 rated hurdler at one time so it could be just one of these horses that just keep on improving, improving, improving. Um, look, it's, it's a very hard race uh, to call. I mean, at this stage, but the plan of attack with Barry O'Neill, who is a really, really good amateur rider, probably doesn't get as many headlines as Jamie or, or Derek. But I think Barry O'Neill, he he's definitely a past champion point-to-pointer. I'm not sure if he's champion at the moment. but I think he is, you know. I'm willing to be, be corrected on that, but I think he yeah, is. Yeah, I'm expecting him to write Plan of Attack now. I haven't seen anything that he is or he isn't, but he's he's from that neck of the woods, Wexford, so he would have a association with to the Bromhead stable. And if... Um, he would also write a lot for Paul Nolan, but as you say, one of JP's more regular guys, maybe Derek, probably got for Henry, so that might... that might leave the door open for Barry to write Plan of Attack. So, Barry O'Neill, who... 
you talk about native Wexford. He was on board Plan of Attack back in Wexford on the horse one in July. Yeah, it would make sense that he would ride uh, this horse here. So it's Plan of Attack for Brian, Fitzhenry for me, and Labroy for Vanessa and for Rory. Which brings me to three crucial questions. What is your lay of day three, Cheltenham 2020, Vanessa? Uh, my lay of day three, 2020, is itchy feet. I like it. Is that um, place lay just, or? Uh, not not a place lay. No, just win lay. Um, I just don't think that Grade One form last time out is that rock solid, and I think he's. Yeah, I think that race is wide open, as we've discussed, and I'm not sure he's the one for it, but people seem to have latched on to him. I agree. Brian Flanagan, who are you taking on on day one, on day three? Uh, Froden. We. Roy Delargy. City Island in the, with, in the without Paisley Park market. There's a little nice City Island at all. Oh, I like that. So you could lay City Island in the without market on Betfair. Your each way bet of the day. I'll go for that Mount Ida in the um, in Rory's favourite race. Vanessa. Wait, yeah, reserve tank. Rory. At the big prices, to be fair. Nice. In the um, in the stairs hurdle, and indeed you can probably have a little bit on the stairs hurdle without market as well at a at a um, at a still a fair price. That I thought. La Bagua each way in the brand advisory for me, and your nap of day three, Vanessa. Uh, I'm gonna steal a great view off Brian oh. just because I can <laughs> a great oh. view all aboard big price for a nap of the day but have it take it Brian Flanagan your nap of the day uh, the toilet roll to run out in the in the, in the toilets in Cheltenham <laughs> <laughs> uh, all seriousness I'll go for um, after third Roy did argue your nap of the day the shape of the Kim Muir is, is very straightforward and I will go with LeBroy there to, to fight up with Absolute pleasure discussing day three of Cheltenham with you all and the very best of luck to you with Cheltenham. Uh, from Brian Flanagan. Thanks. Vanessa, we'll see you on Sky Sports Racing on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, making an appearance at Hexham. Then I've got Newcastle and I'll be at Cheltenham for Tuesday, Wednesday. So busy old week ahead. Watch out for Vanessa Ryle if you're there on Tuesday and Wednesday. Final Furlong Podcast listeners, go and get your selfies with the First Lady of the Podcast when you can. And of course, buy her uh, the beverage of her choice. And Rory Delargy, looking forward to chatting to you about day four on the next podcast. I look forward to that as well fantastic Uh, thanks so much for listening hopefully you've enjoyed it and hopefully there's plenty of gravy for day three excitement is building only one more podcast to go as we look ahead to Cheltenham 2020 from all of us thanks so much for listening we'll chat to you soon God bless it's Cheltenham with Betfair it's about who's in with a chance and the buzz when festival week arrives the Betfair exchange was best odds on 485 of 498 Cheltenham runners last year. BSP v ISP. Exchange win market only. BSP is a win-only calculation. 5% commission deducted. Further charges may apply. T's and C's at betfair.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. Have you downloaded the free app The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile. Visit attheracers.com forward slash app for more details.